0: We begin with the letter A. A is for. M is for murder. E is for.
1: Danger. And uh. Dodge. With. Monster. Help love me and be b- 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 Please help. Yeah. Welcome to another exciting, mysterious episode mm. of the S4 podcast tonight. I will be leading the story, if you will. Uh, My name is Monster, and joining me tonight is the Inquisitive Danger. Say hello,
0: Danger. Uh, Hello, Danger.
1: So, tonight's going to be a fun episode. Tonight we are doing the letter K is for Kramer, a man by the name of Philip Taylor Kramer. Now, I'm very excited to tell this guy's story for a couple of reasons. It is fascinating. Well, what's going to make this episode a little more fun is danger. How about you tell us what you know about Philip Taylor Kramer? Zero. Nothing. That makes, that makes me very happy. So, very, very happy. You know, you and I
0: actually had talked about it a little bit, and I know nothing about this. I assume, and I purposely didn't look up anything on this. I assume mm-hmm. that this has to do with a uh, character from the Dustin Hoffman movie. Maybe. Ooh, I don't. I don't know. Kramer versus Kramer. You
1: know, I, no, no, I, I don't I just, believe it
0: does. I. I don't know. That's the thing. I know nothing, and I purposely did not look anything up because you were saying that me not knowing anything going into this would be a lot more fun, and
1: I'm here to make a good time. So, I, for anybody that's tuning in, if you know who Philip Taylor Kramer is, you know where the story's going, and you know that it's fascinating. But if you don't know who it is, you are on the ride with danger. And let me tell you, danger, I hope periodically you jump in with some predictions because I highly doubt you will guess where this is going.
0: All right. I am going to put my thinking cap on. I'm going to try to make some predictions. I don't know if them are going to be right. Just, you know, yeah.
1: This is going to be fun. I'm very excited. This is this is a story I kind of stumbled upon within you know the past couple of years. And as soon as I heard about it, I was like. I don't think a lot of people know this story, so I want to tell people. So, all
0: right, and I'm quite curious as to how uh Mr. Kramer fits into our overarching theme of things that we have here. So, Oh, it, he fits
1: in in so many ways. All right, well, let's do it. Let's talk about Philip Kramer. We'll start at the beginning. Philip Taylor Kramer was born on July 12, 1952, in
0: Youngstown, Ohio. Okay.
1: As a child, Kramer was very interested in astronomy. When he was five years old in 1957, the Soviet Union put its first satellite into space. Okay. And then in 62, JFK announced that America would be putting a man on the moon. Right. All of these things contributed to Kramer's fascination with space. But what was a big part of that, too, is his father, Ray Kramer, was the head of electrical engineering department at the Youngstown State University. All right. Kramer would go there and sit with his father and and watch him work and listen to him talk about space travel and all this stuff. And he was fascinated by it. Cute little antidote. Uh, Kramer was so into science that by the age of 12, he and his father had created a laser that had the power to shoot down balloons and won the first place at his school science fair.
0: That would be a hell of a science fair project. I would like to see the trifold poster board for that. <laughs>
1: Was it a rule that you had to have a trifold poster board in order to uh, submit your science project? Because I feel like every one of them did.
0: I don't know if it was a rule or it was just such a convenient way to display the data of whatever your project was, or if it just kind of became a thing that you just did because it was such a great way to display the data. I don't don't know if it was a rule.
1: Can you think of one example as an adult where a tri-fold cardboard display would come in handy?
0: Yes, actually, uh, for soundproofing purposes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm i sorry I used my, my knowledge of things. Yeah, no, not sorry at all.
1: Okay, so around this time, <laughs> Kramer taught himself how to play guitar. Okay. Oftentimes, if you're good at science and math, you can be... It, it's easier to learn the technical aspects of an instrument. Um, it's amazing how many
0: people who are musicians work in uh, IT or one of those types of things. So
1: Brian May from Queen is a great example of that. Yeah. He's he's one of the smartest humans alive, and he's also an incredible guitar player. Mm-hmm. I know that. I think, creating... he's like
0: a, I think he's like a he's got like a doctorate in math or something, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, it's some sort of science. Now curious. Have, I'm curious.
0: I'm going to look it up while we're talking because, you know.
1: Now just, you know, one more little little point on that. I think um, it's a very left brain, right brain thing, you know, the creative side versus the analytical side. And a lot of people are more so one or the other. But when you come to the technical aspects of an instrument and in music, mm-hmm. they go hand in hand pretty you know, he you has know. a
0: PhD in astrophysics. and he's in astrophysics. I don't know. Sorry. Um, whatever.
1: With a PhD in astrophysics.
0: Yes. Uh, from <laughs> the Imperial College of London uh, hmm. and was a chancellor, chancellor of Liverpool, John Mayer's university. So uh, he was a science team collaborator with NASA's new horizon Pluto mission um, he is a co-founder of the awareness campaign asteroid day and asteroid five, two, six, six, five, Brian, Brian May was named after him. So yeah, he's a smart fella. <laughs> he's a, he's a smart guy.
1: So I'd like to tell everybody, thank you for tuning in for M is for May for Brian May. Cause apparently that's who you want to talk about. We're getting back to Philip Taylor. You, you brought it up. Just real, real swiftly.
0: Maybe we'll do T is for (laughs) Trifold.
1: The history of the science fair. Yes. (laughs) So Kramer loved science, but as he got older, he got more and more into music. He formed his first band while he was still a teenager. But in 1974, he moved to L.A. to pursue a music career. Not long after that, he met a guy by the name of Ron Bushy. Does that name sound familiar at all? It rings a bell, but I don't know where from or why. Ron Bushy was a drummer and he was one of the founding members of the band Iron Butterfly.
0: Ah, okay. I don't know if you really want to claim Iron Butterfly as a thing that happened in your life, but you know, go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, this is great. So a little backstory on Iron Butterfly really quick. They became really popular in 1968 when they released a song called Anagata Davida. Yeah. Not only is that song a classic, but it it also spurred one of the most classic Simpsons jokes of all time as well. Isn't it like the
0: entire side of an album as well? Like the longest song ever?
1: The uh, album version is 17 minutes long. The the radio version is four minutes. But there's this incredible Simpsons gag where the congregation is walking into church and Bart is handing out quote-unquote hymns. And it's Anna
0: in the garden
1: a- of- by Iron Butterfly. <laughs> and it shows them like all singing and stuff. Homer leans over to Marge. And he's like, "Hey, remember when we used to make out of this hymn. <laughs> and, and at the end, it says 17 minutes later. And it shows the organ player, the little old lady, just like furiously hitting the keys and sweating. And then she just passes out. But and, uh, stupid long song, man. Oh, yes, very much so.
0: Unnecessarily uh, now Chris- long.
1: Yes, for yes because they weren't a super proggy. They had prog elements, but they weren't they were more kind of psychedelic and yeah. uh the best i could compare them to would be like the doors because they had kind of the blues bar kind of guitar riffs mm-hmm. and a lot of organ. Organ was yeah. kind of front and center. Now by the time Kramer met Bushy, this was in 1974. And Iron Butterfly wasn't really a thing anymore. But Bushy and Kramer sort of got the band back together and actually did a couple more records. Um Kramer plays on two Iron Butterfly albums, uh Scorching Beauty and Sun and Steel. Uh both of these were released in nineteen seventy five. And these are a little more straightforward, like seventies classic rock sounding. There's still organ, but it's not as in the mix, you know. Right. Um and there's no 17-minute-long songs. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, go figure. But then eventually Iron Butterfly did break up, and uh, Kramer continued to play with Bushy um, in the bands Magic and Gold between 1977 and 1980. Good luck finding anything about a band called Magic that doesn't sound like white boy reggae. Yeah, um, And it's hard to find a band just called Gold.
0: So yeah, fair I enough. wasn't
1: able to find much about it, but I would imagine... They kind of sound similar. One more funny anecdote about Iron Butterfly. Do you know? I don't know if this is true or not, but the myth behind Anagata Davida, where that came from? No, I don't. I feel like I should. I feel like I've heard it, but. Probably. It's one of those old rock and roll wives' tales. And yeah. I don't, again, I don't know if it's true or not. But what I always heard was that the singer came in and was so drunk that he couldn't sing in the Garden of Eden. So he got behind the mic and was like, and they were like that's terrible, but kinda go with that right <laughs> and that's how it turned into that nonsense, whatever anagada Davida means but
0: um, i i don't I'm not gonna say it's not true you know
1: I, it sounds like it would be true right right, right. so in nineteen eighty Kramer went back to school, even while he was touring in in his bands um his bandmates often uh mentioned that he would constantly be writing down numbers and and equations and like he would be at a restaurant with the rest of the band and they're all like goofing off and he's got cocktail napkins and he's writing equations down and stuff so while kramer was in school he became a contractor for the u.s department of defense okay on his first day on the job he had to raise his right hand and swear an oath of allegiance to the united states he had to keep everything under lock and key and worked on whatever covert operations they gave him. And he did eventually, while he was still in school, uh, get a degree in aerospace engineering. All right. So maybe not quite to the level of your favorite man, Brian May, but right up there near it. I never say he was my favorite.
0: I mean, I like Queen. Queen's just fine. But yeah, um, Yeah. Brian May's a smart fella. I don't know. Anyway.
1: So... Because of the covert nature of most of the projects that Kramer worked on, it's hard to say uh, what all programs he did work on. Um, However, most details seem that it's very likely he worked on a nuclear warhead missile known as the MX. Mm. Uh, This was a bomb that was designed to hit targets on the other side of the world. Yes, Um, I've heard of the MX. Yeah. So Kramer, again, we think worked on the navigation tech so the rocket would be incredibly accurate but again he had to hide what he was doing even from his own colleagues yeah so in 1987 kramer gets married to a woman named jennifer can i guess she had a son. Can,
0: okay yeah you said she had a son but i jennifer became the next like na- like nickname for a missile that he was working on i'm i'm, I'm trying to guess as we go through this
1: uh, no, not even
0: yeah. close, yeah. but that's okay. It's yeah. Okay. All right. I just, uh, you know, I'm, I, right. Jennifer actually was a subterranean rock monster lizard person that sent Kramer into a tailspin. Uh, his head exploded and he picked up the pieces and used all those, uh, figures that he'd been writing down on, on cocktail napkins to put himself back together. And she had a son, but the son died in childbirth. So he built a robot boy. And so it was Kramer with like stitched together head, Jennifer and Robot Boy. I don't know. You, you said it was going to be crazy and I wasn't going to know. So I'm just
1: taking a wild step. Yeah. But see, now that you said all of that what I'm about to tell you doesn't sound so crazy anymore (laughs) because it all takes place in the realm of reality. Right. But see, that's why it's, that's why it's going to sound
0: crazy. I just fed total science fiction BS (laughs) to, to my microphone and it, I, there's, there's no basis for any of what I just said, but I do, I do like the idea of building like a robot boy. (laughs) Like it just, it sounds fun.
1: Who he named after himself. Kramer he had to fight it for survival hence the Kramer versus Kramer yes
0: okay so the Dustin Hoffman movie was way off from the reality of he had to fight his own robot son
1: always change it from the source material you I, know? You know? I
0: I I'm gonna demand a rewrite and Dustin Hoffman is out because um yeah no Dustin Hoffman got it wrong the first time I can't for tell you level- I've
1: even seen dust uh, Kramer versus Kramer go on for the love God, I'm going to steer this rocket back on course. So, 87, he marries Jennifer. She already had a son, okay. not named Kramer, and was not a robot. In 1990, they had a baby girl together and named her Haley. Haley's a nice. At name. this, point, it is. At this point, Kramer decided he was ready for a more like nine to five kind of job, uh, so he could spend more time with his kids. So, in 1990, Kramer opened a tech company. In 1991, his small company merged with a bigger tech company ran by a guy named Randy Jackson. Mm. Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson, as in Michael Jackson's brother from the Jackson 5. See, I was thinking Randy Jackson from American Idol. Yeah. Either way, who knew that he was a tech guy?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Um, Is Randy Jackson from American Idol related to Michael Jackson at all?
1: I don't. I've never even thought about that or looked at it. You know what until right this second? Now here's the thing: I, anybody that's listened to the show before knows I have a you know a fascination with Michael Jackson. I love his music and and everything. I feel like with as much that I've read and stuff, I would have come across that at some point. I don't think they're related. I I don't think so either. But yeah, but check check into it. Yeah. Um, no, no, not at all. So after they got, uh, they merged these two companies together, they renamed the company to Total Media Inc. and they worked on video based educational tools. They developed a data compression technique for CD ROMs. They claim they were the first to develop video compression capable of producing full motion video from a single speed CD ROM in 1992. Now, okay. what I think that translates to in English is, I mean, I understood it, but go on.
0: Well, then you explain it. I need you to say it all again so I can get all the parts of it because I understood it as you were saying it, but um, yeah, as I understand I, it, it's just they figured out a way to compress video
1: files on CDs. And sure, yeah. So I, so I think what it was was like. Remember that Windows uh, installation disk that had the Weezer music video on it, and it blew everybody's brains. Yeah, I think that's what they were saying. Like you had this CD-ROM that had these files on it that you were putting onto your computer but it also contained these video files that you could watch separate of that
0: so i remember watching the buddy holly video and the uh, the weezer video with the uh, the still, windows installation disk
1: still one of the greatest music videos of all time uh, it's a great
0: video but i remember being at a buddy's house watching that video on his windows installation disk and it just was like holy crap this is the future even though I don't remember, but I know that it buffered for like 45 minutes beforehand. Like we set it and then went and ate lunch and then came back to it. And then I remember we uh, downloaded a picture, a smashing yeah. pumpkins picture that took so long that we decided to go outside and jump on the trampoline.
1: <laughs> I, I downloaded uh, several um, pictures of Gwen Stefani when I was, when I was younger using a dial up computer. Yeah. Took hours for like. Oh, it was ridiculous! <laughs> it was ridiculous how long it
0: took. But okay, so Randy Jackson and Kramer, yes, did this compression on C. Okay, so.
1: but the problem was Kramer was almost too smart for his own good. He had these very ambitious ideas, and a lot of times he would work on these projects, and he never really was real forthcoming with what what exactly he was doing. And the investors were starting to get a little, you know, annoyed because, yeah, you're working on all this stuff, but we're not seeing the fruits of the labor and we're pouring all this money into you guys. And and he was working on
0: this with Randy Jackson or was he like closed door? Both, both. All right. Fair enough. So in
1: 1994, the company was reorganized under bankruptcy and they hired new leadership. Uh, Kramer continued to work there. But you could tell he was not feeling it. Like, things were were weird now. He was telling colleagues that he was working on this huge, life-changing project. But he never really gave any details to what this project was or what exactly he was doing. He just kept telling everybody that once he figured it out, it would change the world. Now, before I tell you what most people think it was, what do you think he was working on? I mean, did it have anything
0: to do with music or media? No. Okay. Did it have something to do with uh, weapons? Nope. Time travel.
1: There it is. Yeah.
0: Okay. So
1: So nobody knows for 100% certainty, but it is believed he was working on something to do with light speed travel and trying to find the secret to time travel. Did he become friends with Andy Bishago? This is the proto-Bashago.
0: Okay. For anybody that wants to know more about Andy uh, Bashago, go back and listen in season three to episode P is for the Pegasus Project.
1: Bashago 2024, baby. Yeah. Coming.
0: Nope. Nope. Not going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and shoot down Bashago now. (laughs) Bashago is a big loser.
1: So... So Kramer's coworkers were noticing that he was being, he had this increased obsessive behavior. Uh, He stayed in the office working on equations long after everybody had gone home. So he wanted to switch to a
0: more nine to five to spend more time with his family, but he just stayed in his office late
1: nights and whatnot. So I I haven't seen anything that, that put these two things together because I think this is also based on a, a true story of someone else. But when I was researching this, Especially this part reminded me a lot of Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind.
0: That's actually what I was like, thinking in the beginning when you were talking about the figures and cocktail napkins yeah. and stuff. So,
1: and so he's, he's got a family that he does love, that he does want to spend time with, but he's so obsessed with something that no one really understands. So by late January in 1995, he was no longer sleeping at night. Um, he was pretty much working nonstop 24 hours a day. Uh he he believed that rest would only delay his discovery and he felt like he was on the cusp of cracking this code. All right. So, February 11th, 1995. Kramer went to his father Ray's house. Kramer told his dad that he only had 40 cents and he desperately needed money. I'm going to guess this was
0: money. a lie. But go on.
1: The 40 cents is important. Remember. Okay, that. 40 cents. I'm going to write down 40 cents. cents. Do it. Do it. It comes All right. back. All right. Ray said his son looked burnt out and exhausted. Ray sent his son away and told him he didn't need money. He needed rest. So he tried. So Kramer tried to go back to go home and go to sleep, but he kept waking up in the middle of the night and working on his laptop. However, the next morning, Kramer seemed to be feeling much better. He made his wife a cup of coffee and headed out the door. That was nice. February, to do. So. February 12th, 1995. Kramer went to his father-in-law's house. So now he's at Jennifer's dad's. Kramer gave him a kaleidoscope and cryptically said to him, it's all right here. Hmm. Then Kramer left and headed to LAX to pick up his friend, Greg Martini. Martini was one of Kramer's old colleagues who was in town on business, and Kramer was going to pick him up and drop him off at his hotel. Now, this is when it gets weird. Okay. And are there any more Jacksons involved? No, but someone else we know is going to pop up in a minute.
0: Okay. I don't, I wouldn't say I know Randy Jackson, but I just, I know Randy Jackson by proxy Uh, to Michael,
1: a familiar name.
0: Okay. A familiar name. Cool. Okay. Let's go.
1: So let me tell you what happens on, on this day. Okay. Kramer. What was the date again? What was the date again? So this is on February 12th, 1995. Okay. Okay. So this is for, there, there is a timeline of this because of some facts that I'm about to give you is that they can kind of pinpoint that this all kind of happens this way. Okay. Kramer entered the, entered the airport parking lot alone. He was driving his green arrow star van. We had a burgundy one growing up, but going, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Green Arrow Star Van yeah. that comes back. Okay. So forty five minutes later I ben very rarely take airport.
0: notes in an episode, but I am on this one. Well, so yeah.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 coming. All right. So forty-five minutes later, he leaves the airport and he didn't have Greg Martini with him. Okay. Now at some point after that, Kramer called his wife Jennifer and asked her to explain the situation to Martini. He said Kramer left without Martini but planned on meeting him and Jennifer at Martini's hotel later that afternoon.
0: Okay.
1: He also for Martini? Him,
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go on.
1: No, no. They were drinking margaritas. He also told Jennifer that he had a big surprise for her.
0: Yeah. Last she time I said no that to the woman, it did not go over well, but go on.
1: I have a slightly above average surprise for you. I have a surprise for you. <laughs> Jennifer had no clue what that meant. She didn't know what he was talking about or anything. After this, Kramer proceeded to make 16 phone calls to other friends and family. Okay. All varying degrees of of weird. But the one that we know for sure is at 11.59 a.m., he made his last phone call to 911. Okay,
0: so what time did he start making these
1: calls? Uh, Let's see. So... Probably around 11 a.m. because from what I understand, most of these phone calls were literally the person on the other end picked up and Kramer would say one or two sentences of nonsense and then hang up. Okay, just just Uh wondering what the
0: the time frame for all
1: these phone calls. So, So, yeah. So calls 911. And when the operator answers, Kramer says, I am going to kill myself. And I want everyone to know that O.J. Simpson is innocent. They did it. Okay, now wait. Suppos- Hold on. All Hold on. right, before all I right, Supposedly, this was a reference to a video evidence in which Taylor was hired just before, his, uh, before all this happened to analyze the authenticity of a videotape that the FBI and the DEA had on O.J. Simpson's murder trial. You know, they were kind of like, Again, Kramer was a part of this video CD-ROM stuff, so they were like, he can analyze this video data. Is that true? I don't know. But that's what that was in reference to. Okay. OJ Simpson is now a part of this. The juice. (laughs) The juice. So, Jennifer and Greg Martini are waiting in the hotel lobby for Kramer to show up like he said he would. They sat there for hours waiting on Kramer to show up. He never showed up. He was officially missing. All right. Now, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen next, okay? But at this point, where's your head at? What are you thinking?
0: Um, was was uh Kramer wearing gloves? Because the glove don't fit. You can't quit. Um mm-hmm. yeah. I mm. uh, honestly, we have jumped from he was working <laughs> on missile guidance. For missile or uh, uh, location guidance for missiles to Randy Jackson, and now mm-hmm. we're a bad friend at the airport and you fail to pick up your friend. Uh, this was in the time before cell phones, so you know, uh, Mr. Martini uh, could not call Kramer and find out where he was, so uh, pay phones galore phone calls, uh, OJ Simpson 40 cents 1995 Aerostar van. I got Ellen, I, I got nothing like this is uh, this is uh, weird so far.
1: We're not done. There's still more. Okay, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Let's go for it. For the next several days, Jennifer and other friends and family passed out thousands of flyers around Los Angeles to try to find Kramer. I didn't mention this before, but from what I understand, Kramer looked a lot like you. Oh, he was like six foot seven. Uh, he was a little bit stockier, and he was very. I think they said he had kind of like long, curlyish, like kind of disheveled kind of look. The what I was picturing was Will Ferrell in the Blue Oyster Cult SNL sketch. Okay, fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, as soon as they, you know, started doing this, um, the 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 police were getting several calls from people saying they saw Kramer in their town. One said he was spotted as a, at a bus stop in West L.A. Then a pawn shop owner near uh, where Kramer used to live said he saw a tall man with a wedding ring enter his store shortly after Kramer went missing. He was apparently very interested in the computers at the pawn shop. I'm sorry. Um, tall guy with a wedding ring. Not a great descriptor. I mean,
0: I was, I'm was i a tall guy that had a wedding ring at one point. Uh, I mean, you know. But And
1: you're a guy who plans on having a, another wedding ring in the future.
0: It's, it's true. that That is true.
1: Wedding ring 2.0. Yeah. So other reports said he was seen at a soup kitchen, a Burger King, uh, at the Santa Monica Pier. But none of these leads really went anywhere. You could say Kramer however, got around. However, oh. in March 1995, an elderly couple said they saw a man at the grocery store. Like beginning,
0: middle, season. end of March. Sorry, because this was February 12th. Okay, early March.
1: So he's been missing this whole time.
0: Yes, if he was looking disheveled
1: before, he looks disheveled now for sure. Okay, exactly. So, early March, 1995, an elderly couple said they saw a man at the grocery store that matched Kramer's description in a little town about 30 miles away from L.A. The man approached the couple and told them he needed money to call his family, but he only had 40 cents. Ah, Okay. Done.
0: Done. So he's uh, either just lost all his money again, or he's not gained or lost anything. I don't know. Like, was it 40 cents in all pennies? Was it four dimes? Was, you know, what are we talking here?
1: It was all pennies. And like, he just jangled as he walked. Yeah. (sniffs) Yeah. All right. So this, I'll go ahead and apologize before I read this next part. I kind of got conflicting reports on this. Some okay. things I saw research said it was a answering machine. Other things say that she picks up the phone and doesn't say anything. So I don't know exactly. But what I deterred here, a few days later, Jennifer gets a call at their home. You said turd. The person on the other end was just breathing, then took a pause. And then started saying, hello, hello, hello. Jennifer said the person sounded out, uh, kind of out of it and confused and was nervous. And she was kind of startled and didn't really know what to do. So it took her a minute. And before she could respond, the caller hung up. She was convinced that that was Kramer trying to get a hold of her. Okay. So this reignites the whole search again. Right. So now she's like, okay, I know he's alive. He reached out to me. And so she spends the next several months getting Kramer's story out to the public. Unsolved Mysteries, Oprah Winfrey, and America's Most Wanted all ran episodes on him. Uh, Oprah was around at this point, so yeah. Okay. The FBI even got involved. However, interest eventually kind of waned because there was no leads and no new developments came to life for years. Nobody, no evidence. Until May of 1999. We've jumped over four years. Okay. Been four years. May 29th, 1999. He showed up at a corn show. Just That would have been a good time to see them. That would have been... It would have been, been a time to see them, yes. That was around <laughs> when I saw them for the first time. 1999, yeah, the Follow the Leader Tour. Right. Good stuff. Okay, so... <laughs> This has been the new metal detour featuring Monster. Okay, so May 29th, 1999, a photographer by the name of Walter Lockwood and one of his buddies were out on a hike in a ravine below Decker Canyon Road near Malibu, California. Right. The 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 path they were on was very windy and it was full of garbage and broken down vehicles and it was it was not like a idyllic nature walk. During the Phoenix, hike, but not idyllic. Yes. So during the hike, Lockwood noticed a totaled Aerostar minivan. Okay. The windshield was shattered and the hood of the car was crumpled up, and it sat directly underneath Decker Canyon Road. The drop would have been roughly 450 feet. All right. Lockwood approached the van kind of with the intentions of taking pictures of, of the, you know, the, the damage. But when he got close, he saw a long, thin object sticking out of the driver's side window. Mm -hmm. It was a human bone. Uh. There was a decaying human corpse in the driver's seat. Okay. Needless to say, you know, this startled Lockwood, and he started to kind of, like, stumble back. And when he did, he stepped on something hard and kind of slipped, and he thought it was a rock. But he looked down to realize it was a human skull. Uh the skull had come detached from the corpse inside the van and rolled a few feet away, which is why Kramer never called back. Just saying when the the police arrived, they searched the van and they found Kramer's ID in the van. Yep. Where, where are you at now? What do you, where, how, what are your feelings on this so far? I mean, Kramer's dead. Kramer's dead. I'm
0: thinking that the, uh, the phone call was not, Kramer was just a uh, random phone call, wrong number sort of deal, and uh, whether it was the she actually answered the phone or answering machine whatever, I think that Kramer, you know, drove off the bridge, you know, drove off the bridge after making some deranged phone calls. Maybe he was a little bit off mentally, or maybe he thought he was on to something and he was like, I have to give people clues to let them know that there's something coming. And so he did these things, and I don't think the guy in the grocery store. I don't know why, but I just picture a health food store, like a uh, a Whole Foods or something. I don't, I don't know what. So he, uh, I, I don't think that was Kramer. I, I think Kramer had uh, gone off of the bridge and had uh, died. And if it was down to uh, just bone, and the head had become detached, and it was a you know just down to bone or just down to skull.
1: In four years.
0: Yeah, I've, I don't know the decay rate of things out in the open, but I feel like it was probably about then, and I, I don't think that was him in the grocery store. I think it was just a coincidence he said 40 cents. Um, but I think where he said O.J. is innocent was just maybe his uh, speculations in himself. I think Randy Jackson is actually to blame in all of this. I I think Randy Jackson, and Randy Jackson's a real killer. That's where I am.
1: I wasn't expecting you to go that far Yeah, because I got a little bit more information to share with you. All right. So over the next few months, several tests and studies, the coroner decides that cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. There's no way to prove exactly what happened, but was deemed a likely suicide. What you said, he probably drove the car off of the the road. Now, Uh, I wasn't saying that
0: he drove it off or if he was... Uh, in an accident and it fell off the road or went sure.
1: off the road. I don't know if, it, if, if he did it himself, but... But but what they're saying and what you're saying is most likely at some point the car fell off the road. Careened
0: off the road.
1: There wasn't a lot of evidence to point to suicide. However, Kramer did make that 911 call right before he disappeared. It's true. It's true. So I did forget about
0: that everything. even though I wrote... Down at 1159 a.m. He made a call to 911.
1: Okay. However, there's more to this. Oh. Kramer's family was not convinced, and they believed the authorities were covering something up. Okay. Kramer's father never believed he killed himself and is quoted as saying, Taylor had told me a long time before there were people bothering him. They wanted what he was doing, and some of them threatened him. He once told me that if I ever say I'm gonna kill myself, don't you believe it one bit, I'll be needing help. Okay.
0: But he didn't make that call to anybody but nine one one. And he made how many calls before the nine one one call where he could have said, Hey, so uh, you know, some other weird shit, whatever, and then ended it
1: with, Hey, by the way, I'm gonna, gonna kill myself. But he didn't do that. Here is my theory. All right. That is the Philip Taylor Kramer story. That is from his whole life, from being a nerdy little kid, becoming the guitar player for Iron Butterfly, joining a tech company with Michael Jackson's brother, mm-hmm. claiming O.J. Simpson was innocent, yep. and then turning up as a rotting corpse. Okay. Now, here's my theory. Okay. Kramer was abducted and then murdered by a foreign government. Uh Kramer had been working on an equation that would allow us to travel at the speed of light. This would allow humans to travel through space and time because Kramer was working on this and had knowledge of covert operations being performed by the U S government. He could have been a target to foreign governments in the months leading up to his disappearance. Kramer was becoming more and more paranoid. He told his wife and dad that he thought people were coming after him because of his work. Kramer even told his dad that if he ever said he was going to kill himself, that his father should not believe him. Instead, it was code for being in trouble. When his dad, Ray, heard about the 911 call, he assumed that Kramer wasn't really going to kill himself. He was in danger and needed help. Kramer may have been using the 911 call to communicate that he was being followed while while at LAX. The 911 call could have also been Kramer's way of throwing off his pursuers. They might quit chasing him if they assumed he was dead.
0: Okay, but why would he not have made a call to somebody and said, I'm going to kill myself, who knew that he wouldn't actually kill himself? It, it does not hold up to me. It does not. And all because he said to his father that if he ever said, if I ever say I'm going to kill myself, then I'm not going to. And I have to assume that he also said that to his uh, to his wife. But... Uh, did he call her in the what was it sixteen calls before?
1: Yeah, yeah. Not, he, yeah. he told he told her that he had a big surprise for her. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, um, now and and I'll I'll be honest with you, I didn't have time to research every single little you know YouTube thing and and website. I'm sure that if you do enough digging, you can find out every single one of those sixteen phone calls and what he yeah. said and who they were to it is entirely possible that one or two of them were to, I, I think one was definitely to his uh, father-in-law and one was probably to his father. Um, And he very well might've said, you know, Hey, I'm going to kill myself. Wink, wink, elbow, elbow, you know, here's the thing too many times people are working on these things that are classified that we don't know the details on. And then all of a sudden, something happens to them. And sometimes it's this. Other times, it's their name is just dragged through the mud and they're made to to look like an absolute crazy person. Well, like my man, Bashago. Okay? Okay, he wasn't dragged through the mud, except maybe at Gettysburg. But he just was a crazy oh, person. Oh, said he knew him! I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know. Okay, so to to wrap all this up all right. i think this is an incredibly interesting
0: story it is interesting I, especially since randy jackson and oj simpson were
1: involved yes like the fact that this nerdy kid joins iron butterfly of yeah. all bands right and then goes on to have this a beautiful mind situation because that's the other thing. So we we brought up that movie earlier. If you think about what was going on in that movie, he, he was trying to solve these equations for some made-up reason, and he believed in his mind people were coming after him. Mm-hmm. That is a not a common thing, but when people are this brilliant, sometimes things snap like that. And... I, okay, so I gave that theory a little bit tongue in cheek. What I truly think is, this guy was brilliant, one of just absolute, absurdly intelligent, and it got to the point where he kind of lost grip on reality. Yes, I'll I'll go with that. And I I would stand to be- reason in his mind, somebody was after him. Yeah, and he really did think he was in danger. And I would imagine that in his confused state, in his fearful state, whatever was going on, it's very likely that he, like you said, careened off the road and died. I don't think he committed suicide, but I don't think he was murdered. And it was probably a he thought he was probably trying to escape something, you know, I I do think
0: that he probably was. Because it is a common thing for people that are extremely brilliant to see outside, you know, outside of reality and, you know, their brain kind of creates more than the reality. And I think that's part of what goes into them being brilliant, you know, mathematicians, scientists, whatever, is that they are thinking outside of everything else going on. So they're able to pull these things in. And so if I had to guess, it would be that nobody was after him and he did you know, think that as he was driving, there were people, you know, following him and and coming for him. And I'm going to say that he probably made some evasive maneuvers, which the aerostar is not very good at and lost control. And, uh, that, uh, analog brake system did, didn't work. It failed. And, uh, he careened uh, Abdul Jabbar off the road and, uh, he, he died. And then, uh, what was the guy's name that tripped over his skull? Going to take pictures of the van? Lockwood. Yeah. I think Lockwood just kind of maybe literally stumbled upon it. You know, it's just a happenstance sort of thing that he found him. I don't think there were any nefarious activities behind, behind this guy. And I honestly don't think that he was close to cracking the code of light speed travel. I think that he maybe thought he was. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think anybody that was that brilliant would ever claim that OJ Simpson was innocent and, you know, and ever get involved with the Jackson. But I I, I don't, who am I to say that Andy Bishago was wrong? (laughs) It all
1: comes back to Bishago, baby. Yeah. I'm telling.
0: No, I, hey. I, I, I I'm going to stick to it. I don't think there was any nefarious things going on. Yeah. I think that, just like I was saying, that somebody who's brilliant and able to think outside of uh, the box of life and create things yeah. also is creating more things in her head. And this guy just thought somebody was behind him, and he was just, at its core, a bad friend and left Martini
1: at the airport. But I think it's safe to say that, We don't know for sure what all was going on in his mind, but he seemed to be a a very intelligent person. Yeah. And if you're an intelligent person who would like to try hosting a podcast, you can go to podbean.com for one month of podcasting services for free. Now, podcast hosting
0: services. Okay. See,
1: I don't have the script here. I'm doing the best I can.
0: No, and you are doing great. But while you are uh, trying to fit this into... A part of the episode, uh, yes. the people who do go to Podbean can also take time to look at those terms and conditions that will apply.
1: It will apply. You are correct. That is the story of of Mister Kramer, uh, Mister Philip Taylor Kramer. I thought it was fascinating it being a a rock musician, and I love this like conspiracy theories about time travel and stuff. It just checked a lot of boxes for me, so yeah. I wanted to share that. Aside from King Crimson. Did any other seminal progressive rock bands form in London in nineteen sixty eight
0: I'm sure, but i I don't know yes ah uh, yeah uh, okay
1: uh, uh, <laughs> okay uh. took me a second it it did um for our younger listeners, there is a band called yes <laughs> um they're okay <laughs> that's what they should have been called okay. I man, they had a I few. saw them. Wild. Incredible.
0: They had a few. So I did not prepare any anything for the theme of this, considering I again went in blind, knew sure. nothing. So I've got a few more. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. No, I do have a few. Okay, but so it was four years from the from February twelfth, nineteen eighty five, to when the aerostar was found crashed yes but what did two thieves get that stole a calendar what they each got 6 months
1: so they they split it in half right right okay um i th- i thought this joke just went along perfectly with with the conversation tonight rock and roll might not be rocket science but it does require rock it fuel.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the kids actually told me one that I appreciated, you know, now there are three seven year olds and 12 year old. So they're not thinking too far ahead as far as jokes go. Although the 12 year old (laughs) tries his damnedest (laughs) to come up with jokes, but they told me one and I appreciate it. Why did the chicken cross the playground? Why? To get to the other slide.
1: Why did the chicken want to join a rock band? Why? Because he had a set of drumsticks.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay.
1: It's why, a busy chick.
0: Why does Han Solo like gum so much?
1: Oh, uh, why?
0: Because it's chewy.
1: Oh, oh man. But we had a joke a couple episodes ago that was... It wasn't gum, but it was oh, it was the same punchline though, as Han Solo eating something, but it was chewy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Let's do one, one more. Yeah okay. What rock band is the neatest? OCDC.
0: Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I was I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out. I just couldn't quite get there. Speaking of music, why did the singer use a ladder during her performance. Why? To reach the high notes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought, I thought that might be it. Well, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. I uh, Thank you for uh, listening. Reach out to us on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Danger Sarge. What's our email address?
0: It's Danger and Sarge across all those platforms, but it's Danger and Sarge at gmail.com.
1: Anyone ever emailed us one time? the spam count. It does not, but let me tell you, we are steady sitting at zero and we're waiting for that number to just skyrocket any day. Now we are nothing but consistent. Okay. I give you that. I give you that. So, but yes, please shoot us an email.
0: If you have a, a topic that you would like to uh, put into the, uh, the alphabet, the letters, please do. You may have to wait for your letter to come around. Uh, If you'd like for us to revisit a topic, We can do that. You know, please just let us know. If you'd like uh, to see our notes, go put your own together because you're not getting my notes. Mostly because I don't hold on to them. Anyway, so thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor. If you got a few minutes, share this episode because I'm sure somebody out there drove an Aerostar van. And uh, what a twist for them.
1: Uh, It's a smashing end to the Aerostar. (laughs) gotta be at least one iron butterfly super fan that does not know this story and yes. they need to know. <laughs> yes so uh and if you got another minute i
0: uh, leave us a review five-star review would be nice but if you think we only deserve three i'll take it it's okay if even one it means you listened <laughs> so three Is generous
1: i'll i'll say three is generous it is it is so all right thank you for listening what? I thought you were going to finish
0: closing it out. I was going to hand it off to you since this was the episode that you led. But all right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, I appreciate it. Monster appreciates it. And Sarge does, even though he is still on vacation and uh, he will be back next episode. So you love him. You hate him. I don't know. We love him. <laughs> Sometimes we don't like him, but we don't like each other most of the time anyway. So, um, also- yeah. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Good evening, depending on what time you listen to this. Later. Bye. It's over.
1: Done. Done.